something that the black community needs to hear, like ASAP. Kanye West is a fucking problem. He's a menace. He's dangerous. Stop calling him a genius because he's not. He's a dweeb with a keen ear. And leave Donda alone. Let that woman rest, okay? He ain't in his way because his, his mama died. No, no, no. He has too much money and too many resources to not get some grief counseling. He's a menace. And the fact that I have to side with a Kardashian upsets me, but he's stalking this woman, okay? He's abusive to this woman, and y'all not going to be satisfied till he does something to himself, her, Pete, or them babies. And then it's going to be, oh, we should have. He's not a victim. He's not being villainized. He's got issues serious issues and the people around him don't give a fuck about him otherwise they get him the help that he needs This said what she said. That was CD Gray 89 from TikTok. I really agree with everything that she had to say. And regardless of how we may feel about the Kardashians, people that we really don't know just through TV, nobody deserves to be treated like this. It's just been a long road for them since they filed divorce, since papers were filed back in February of 2001. From the public outbursts, the fight, the custody over the kids, all the stuff that's going on on social media, him buying a house next to her, going out and getting this Kim Kardashian doppelganger, it's just too much. And before all of this was happening, we had the the Kanye that just, he was not well. We had the MAGA Kanye. So in terms of his mental state and his mental health, I feel like he's needed help for a really long time. And a lot of people support the antics. And I think that's part of the reason. That's that. That's the fuel behind it. Why he keeps going until somebody really holds him accountable. So that's why I'm not mad about seeing him being canceled. Can't go on the show. Can't go on the tour. Whatever it is, at some point, we all have to live with the consequences to our choices and our decisions. And I think what's most important is the kids should be the center of this. And he's setting a really terrible example for them. Prayers up for Kanye. Hey, Hunga family. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Hunga podcast, a Philly-based culture and society podcast from a Black queer perspective. I'm your host and producer, Eric Cole. 
better known as Tennis Bay. If you're not already subscribed, you can find this podcast on your favorite podcast and social media platform by searching at Hung Up Pod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. Tap the bio link and purchase your Relax Your Shoulders t-shirt or hoodie to show your support for the show. There are a few ways you can contact the show via Instagram or you can email at hunguppod at gmail.com or feel free to dial in. The phone number is 484-578-9992. So this past week, I was on the phone with a close friend of mine. Shout out to Spencer. And we were just kind of talking about each other's life and how things have just changed so much over time. You know, we were both single at one point in time. And he said to me, I remember when I used to ask myself if I was just going to be single forever. Since he's in a you know committed relationship and all that. But it brought up this thought. And I said to him, I said, I think we, or at least me, I'll speak for myself. Maybe some people out there can relate. (laughs) I said to him, I said, I wonder if we insulate our lives so much, especially people who have been single for a really long time or an extended period of time, I should say. (laughs) And his response to that was "Mm, single and stuck in your ways. And it really got me thinking How much are we in our own way? And I'm talking to the single people. How much are we in our own way? Not knowingly and probably not on purpose. But if you've been single for an an extended period of time. (laughs) I'll say that to make sure I'm covering all bases and not offending anybody. Like I said to Spencer, I said, you know, you kind of insulate your life. You, you build a pattern and you have a routine. And because you don't go to sleep with someone and wake up with someone and you don't have this other person that you have to consider, your life, you, you shape your life around that. And I mean, I think that's natural. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Especially because you don't want to be out here constantly looking for something that you don't have or obsessing over something that you don't have. You are investing more time in work, in your personal, or, or, or you know, in your personal life or your social life with your friends, or you're an entrepreneur, um, or you're a creator, or something like that. Like you fill the time. And that's just something that you've grown accustomed to. But the question is, how much are we now in our own way? We want to date. We want to, some of us, a lot of us, want to date. We're open to dating, or so we think. How much are we in our own way and we don't even know it? We want to date, but are you available to date? And again, I'm talking to the single people, and I'm talking to the single people that has maybe asked themselves once or a few times, why am I single? I'm a great person. I have a lot to offer. I'm bringing some shit to the table. Why am I single? Well, how long have you been single? And what are your patterns? What have you grown accustomed to? Are you really as available and open to dating as you think you are? As you say you are? Questions for the Hunger family. 
Yo, this week I'm hung up on Jasmine Sullivan, who came home, came back home to Philly last Friday on the 18th and blessed us with her voice at the Met on Broad Street. Shout out to North Philly. Yo, that concert was so good. I This woman had me all the way in my feelings. Her runs literally brought me to tears. I mean, seeing her live was just a totally different experience. Knew the girl could sing. Knew the girl could perform down. Whether it be a large crowd or intimate little small setting. Ben knew she could do it. But actually seeing her and hearing her live... Yo, that was an experience. She had me emotional. So this week I'm hung up. And <laughs> she did. And shout out to Sterling who <laughs> kept me together um, during the concert. Because <clears throat> I've just been in my feelings lately in general. So <laughs> how appropriate is that song? But shout out to Jasmine Sullivan. And this week I'm hung up. And last thing I want to say before we get into this Really cool interview with this amazing guy who is a actor and a professor. Before we get into that, I just want to acknowledge um, all the people who reached out to me earlier this week on the at Hung Up Pod Instagram page. I posted a picture. I posted a picture of me. Uh, it was two pictures, one with me smiling and one with a more serious look. Shout out to... R. Carter Studios. I posted those and the caption said, not okay, but here, doing the best I can. And I put we in parentheses, so it's doing the best I or we can. So if you're reading it, it applies to you, it applies to everybody, because a lot of us are not okay, but we still find the strength from somewhere. We don't even know where we're getting it from most of the time. To just keep going and not just keep going, but just continue to be great and accomplish things. Even when we don't realize that that's what we're doing. And I posted that, you know, because especially as a creator, I post a lot on social media. But if you've been listening to the show, you know that since the beginning of this year, it's been really rough for me since I lost my father. And then also like dealing with all the legal aftermath that came after that, um, dealing with family, it's just been wild. It's just been really, really crazy. But I use the podcast to continue to connect, learn, grow, and I'm really enjoying it. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm okay. And I think what we've, so many of us have grown accustomed to, especially in this digital, digital age, social media is you see people posting and you take that as some type of indication that, oh, they're okay. They must be okay. They got to be okay. They're cool. They're posting on social media. They're good. They got it. Like, no, online presence does not have anything to do with what's going on in reality, what's going on in your own life. The challenges or the demons or, you know, whatever it is that you may be battling, family members, <laughs> exes, Okay, your job, the baby dad, the baby mom. I mean, everybody has something. So many people are going through something. So don't take 
someone being, you know, posting on social media or, or just having a presence on social media at all as any type of indication that they're okay. So I, I posted that so people knew that, no, I'm not okay. And it's okay to say that. And a lot of you reached out. Some of you even commented under the post, appreciating me being vulnerable and sharing that because a lot of you understood where I was coming from and you could relate. So thank you, Hunger Family, for just keeping me together. The song of the week is I'm Not Okay by her. And I will close this episode out with a little snippet from that song. Now, let's go ahead and get into this interview. Hey, what's up, Hung Up family? Welcome to the show, actor, theater extraordinaire, and longtime friend, Grant E. Harvey. Welcome to the Hung Up podcast, Grant. Thank you very much. What's up, Eric? What's up, Grant? I'm really happy to have you here, man. It's been such a long time. It has. Yeah, definitely it has. And you gave me like five seconds of the video and I appreciate it because I haven't seen you in such a long time. Well, you know, besides on the TV um, (laughs) and on the interwebs and all of that good stuff. But welcome to the Hung Up Podcast. Please introduce yourself and let the people know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, what's going on, people? I am Grant (laughs) Emerson Harvey and... uh, I am an actor and educator, most of all. And you can find me on Instagram at Sorry I Have Rehearsal. That is such a dope handle. <laughs> and you, you know, it's been for a long time because literally that's what I was saying in undergrad all the time. So it it just became a thing. I was about to say, because as I feel like as long as you've been on Insta, that has been your handle. <laughs> yeah, I've never changed it actually. It's always been the same because it, it's a consistent in my life. So you just always in rehearsal. You got you got shit to do. I got things to do. I got places, places to be. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I wouldn't change it. Like keep that. It's a, it's a really cool handle. Yeah, I'm gonna hold on to that one for a while, probably. Very cool. And I'll be sure to put your contact information in the episode notes, and I'll oh. share it on the Instagram post when I share this uh, episode, just so that way people are reminded and they know where to find you. I love it. So I want to get started with an icebreaker because it's been a little minute since we talked, Grant. <laughs> okay. Like a minute. <laughs> so um, like over 15 years. Over 15 years. So maybe maybe like 12 to 15. 12 somewhere to 15. Like that. Somewhere in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we want to f- want to get you familiar with the Hunger Podcast family, but also, you know, this is a, a, a reacquaintance of a sorts. You know what I'm saying? First icebreaker question. Would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or travel to the future to meet your... Well, I guess I should start the question like this. If if you had the option yeah. to travel, would you travel back in time to meet your ancestors or would you travel to the future to meet your descendants? Oh, that is a good question, Eric. Um... I think I would travel to the past. And you know what? That was a hard answer for me because of just the turmoil and everything that comes with that. Um, But I would be very interested to see uh, the people who have made me who I am. 
I feel you like as much as it would be it would be really interesting and cool to see what came after me in the sense of what my ancestors laid down as a foundation and what I did. Yeah. To see that at you know, to kind of see how that grew and evolved over time would be hella interesting. But I'm with you. I would want, if I had that opportunity, I would want to, you know, kind of be on a train, like a train ride all yeah. the way through yep. to see how, how it started and how did I get here? Yep. I agree with that. Most definitely. Love it. All right. Next question. If you could hang out with any actor for a day and have a hundred percent of their attention and a hundred percent of their time, who would it be? Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Tracy Ellis Ross. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's because I just really I don't know the woman at all, but I feel like you she, know the woman. <laughs> we don't know her, but she exactly. lets us in in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think it would just be um I'm an energy person and I, I think she would have great energy. So that's who I'm gonna choose. That's such a good choice. And, and I'm going to snowball that with, would you say that's one of your top people on your list in terms of who inspires you the most? You know, I think I'm most inspired by people who can continue to remain themselves as they enter an industry that makes you um, sometimes want to change. Mm. And so I get a vibe from her and maybe it's because she grew up in the industry. She was able to always be herself. Um, but I, I get the vibe from her that she's she just shows up how she is. And I really appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate her her skill as well. But I think it's more on the side of I just think she's a dope person, you know? She really is. She really is. And her spirit is just so warm um, yeah. and comforting in, in the way that she shares her life. She's so open. You know, some some folks are so private, you know, and I feel like she's really open. Yep. But I'm, I'm sure she keeps enough for herself. Of course. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. All right, next question. If you could see one movie again for the first time, Ooh. what would it be and why? I'm going to have to go with Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Ooh. Tell us about yeah. that movie because I have not heard of this. Okay, so it's an old black and white movie. And it's Betty Davis like in this child costume it, it's bizarre betty davis and um oh my gosh i just googled it <laughs> <laughs> so betty davis and joan crawford they're sisters and one of the sisters treats the other sister horribly and it's like insane it's like off the rocker but i grew up watching it with my mom and i did not know who these women were before I got older and was able to like look them up. And then I started like reading books about them and stuff. So I wish I could have experienced the movie with a fresh eye after having known so much about them and about the experience they had in filming it. Mm. Well, first of all, shout out to Joan Crawford. Yes. <laughs> a legend. Yes, for sure. Betty Davis too. I love that woman. Yeah. And, and this movie is categorized as a horror film. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it. It's horrific in like a a film noir, glossy black and white movie. It's not going to be like scream, like slashing necks or anything. That's really interesting. 92% Rotten Tomatoes. So it must be good. <laughs> oh, it 
it's dope. You get a little musical number from Betty Davis. It's it's really good. It looks like it's on HBO Max. So folks who are subscribed, check it out. I, I have HBO Max, so I'm gonna check that out. Thank you for that little gem there. Got you. Last icebreaker question. Okay. Tell the Hunga family your most embarrassing moment on stage. <laughs> or behind the camera, whichever is the most embarrassing. Gosh. I would say that. <laughs> so I'm not uh, a, a singer by any means, but I have done musicals. I can hold a tune. Yeah. But I did Serafina the musical in undergrad and I played Crocodile and I had a solo. <laughs> and it was with a live band and orchestra. And I just could not find that first note ever. <laughs> ever find it. And I went to school. I went to an HBCU, Morgan State University. Shout hey, out to- <laughs> shout out to Morgan. Yes. Um, and I could never find it. And so this, and I was surrounded by like people from this amazing Morgan State choir, all these amazing singers. And I know they cringed every time I sang. So I found my way through it. You know, I put it in character instead of in tune, but it was an experience. Would you believe that I was in the Morgan State choir for two years? I don't think I've ever heard you sing, but I believe that you were in the choir. Yeah. I, I believe you 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 got some musical soul in you now. I do. Well, I mean, like all through <laughs> grade school, high school, I was in like the the choir at my school, and we went all over everywhere to to compete and, and to sing. Like, reminded me of the remember in Sister Act where they went for the comp- choir competition. Yes. I yeah. was doing those. <laughs> well, yeah. And um, when I got to Morgan, uh, I, yeah, I, I can't believe that I was in that choir. The, the people, those people, I mean, the, 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 the instrument that they had in their voices, I would just be in there like, y'all really want me? I mean, I could just, you know, I'm just here to throw a little background, you know, tune it, like just to give you a little hum, a little. (laughs) Those folks sang from their kneecaps, okay? Like sang, sang. So I was surrounded by that, not being able to find my note in the beginning of my solo every night. So yeah, it was an experience. That is an experience. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. We are going to go ahead and transition into the interview. This Hung Up Podcast episode break is brought to you in part by Get a T-shirt or a sweater, bitch. Relax your shoulders and support this podcast. (laughs) Taking a quick break, here is Grant's response to the question, when do you remember the first time seeing yourself reflected back to you? or seeing someone or something that reflected you? I actually think it it took a long time for me to see a reflection of myself as far as my career and what folks had been through. And I think that it wasn't until I was older, actually after grad school, so I was already in my 30s, And I was living in California and I started hanging around and meeting folks who were just hustling and still passionate about what they were doing. And 
I finally felt like there was community in the underbelly of the industry, if that makes sense. And I think that's the first time I felt like I saw a reflection of myself, my journey, my path, who I was as uh, a queer person of color. And I think it really took that long, to be honest. Again, Grant, so excited to have you here on the Hunger Podcast. I've interviewed one actor before, I, maybe two, but one one for sure that sticks out to my mind, Doug Spearman. Shout out to Doug. Yes, shout out to Doug. <laughs> it was really interesting to hear about his experience behind and in front of the camera and what that was like for him out in Hollywood. Yeah. But I imagine that it's a little different when you're on stage. There's no cut. There's no retakes. There's no, you know, lights, camera, action. Well, there is. Um, but you have a, a, a live audience, a, sometimes a huge audience right there. Yeah. Grant, you've done both. You've, you know, you, you've been in film and you've also been on the stage. Matter of fact, I saw you in one of Doug Spearman's movie, uh, From Zero to I Love You. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a small little part in there. You yeah. know what's interesting is that um, you gave that black man some black man that he need he he needed it he needed it. you he played needed it, it might have been a small part but it was an important role Grant I just want you to know that okay he needed it and you know what I just want to say shout out to to Doug and also Daryl Stevens um, who yes. was who played the main character in the film. I just want to say really quickly about how I even got involved in that because it's a story in itself about community. Yes. Uh, I was working with Yolo Akili, and I don't know if you know who Yolo is, but he is yes. this writer, poet, counselor, community Amazing. organizer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he runs Beam, which is the organization uh, dedicated to Joseph Beam and it's for the Black Emotional Mental Health Collective. And I, I just wanted to say I was working with him and Daryl was a part of the reading that we were doing as well. And we were doing a reading for a Joseph Beam event. And Daryl came in gracious, kind. And, you know, he was somebody that I grew up watching on television. And I think that afterwards we kept in contact somehow and he reached out. He was like, hey, can I get your phone number? I have an opportunity you might be right for. And Doug ended up calling me out of the blue and asking me about this part. And he said, Daryl enjoyed working with me, which I really appreciated. And that's how I got the part in the film. And so I just want to talk about like how people reaching back in and giving back these people that I saw growing up on television were so kind and gracious to pull me in and to give me an experience that I never would have had without that, um, without that call. And so it, it just speaks to the kind of people they are and the kind of uh, people we should see more of in the industry. Yes. And it goes to show how valuable and necessary community and networking is. Yes. Yep. Exactly. That's, that's really dope. Yeah. So, you know, truthfully and honestly, Grant, your film and theater credits are long and they speak for themselves. I see you played Fielding and Jitney. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you I already know. mentioned you already mentioned Crocodile and Serafina. Yep. 
You played um, in The Bluest Eye. You played in Yellow Man, 17th of June, The Colored Museum, uh, in films I already mentioned from Zero to I Love You, Mother's Milk. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah, I've had a lot of great Renaissance man. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I, I, I like to consider myself. You know, what's crazy is Morgan State University University gave me a lot of those experiences. It was my first time being able to be immersed in um, an all uh, community of color within theater. And I got a lot of those roles there and experiences there. And then through friends and things after school, I was able to be involved in their wonderful projects and things. Um, So, yeah, I've had some really great experiences. Shout out to Morgan State. I remember running running around on that yard um, (laughs) down there. Yes, down there at O'Connell Hall, which was like a nightmare of a dorm to live in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's let's go back a little bit. How did we get to this point? How did Grant Harvey turn into this amazing actor and teacher? T- tell us about the beginning. Were you a, a child actor, or were you? you know, home, acting things out. Were you were you the kid at the at the family functions and at the family reunions where you were acting and being dramatic? And w- was this something that was always in you? Yeah, absolutely. I come from a performing family. Uh, my grandfather used to do musicals. Um, my family, every year we would go to the beach with my entire family. I come from a big family, extended family. We would go to the beach. We'd have talent shows every year. I would be involved in talent shows at school all the time. One year I did Michael Jackson, You Are Not Alone, and my neighbors and my parents came in as the choir for me. So I have always been a performer, and I come from a family of dancers, performers, actors. So, I mean, I I have people that have been doing it before me, and it was just always in my blood. Tell us about your last acting experience, something that stood out to you or that you learned from that. I would say I did Spell Number Seven by Intozaki Shange. And this was when I went back to Morgan State University to teach. And so I was in the show. I played the main character, Lou, and I was with students and I was working with students. So I was surrounded by nothing but students. And then I had an amazing professor who became my mentor, Dr. Shirley Bassfield Dunlap, who has now passed. Um, And she was the director. And so it was such an interesting experience being a professor in the show with my students and having that experience about process and, and all the things that come along with the rehearsal process and things like that. And I learned so much about teaching in the moment, um, teaching that has to be innate and just existing and learning even from my students. And so I think that was a a really great experience that really touched me and that I still hold on to this day. Grant, you mentioned teaching and how it's played a significant role in your life and in your professional life. How, and, and, and I noticed just from reading your bio that you're very involved in teaching. Was that always was that always an intention to teach or did you kind of just fall into that 
Yeah, I I think ever since undergrad, it was an intention. I purposely went to grad school because I knew that I wanted to be in the classroom. At Morgan, I was a BA student, so I wasn't just focusing on acting. So I was able to learn so many things from stage management to production management. I learned how to build my own theater from the ground up uh, as far as the administrative side goes. And I became so interested with the process and what theater was as a process that I wanted to continue to study. And so I got my MFA at the Actors Studio and I knew that I wanted to go out into the the world and work in higher education and really relive the process over and over again. And that's what you do in the classroom. You, You really hone in on the process. And so because that was something I was so passionate about, I kind of always knew that education was in my future. Speaking of higher education, I believe, don't you have, you have background in student affairs, don't you? I do. I do. I, um, for Atlantic acting school, um, which is a part of the NYU Tisch studio system. I was the director of student and faculty affairs for them for a year. And then I moved into more creative positions for them. Um, but now I'm just, teaching there. And now I am at Pace University and working in the MFA program as their director of professional development. And I'm also teaching there as well. Grant, would you say teaching helps you become a better actor? Absolutely. You know, I I think, again, going back to process, honing in on the skills that it takes to get through a process in which you're becoming a character or you're becoming, you're uh, throwing yourself into this life that you created on stage. I think being in the classroom and really focusing in on that, it, it helps you take that into your practice as well. So definitely, I definitely think that being a teacher helps you to be a better actor. And I think too, I can only imagine, you know, a classroom setting is it's a different type of language um when you're when you're coaching someone versus being on a set and well would it would it is it is it is it different than being on a set and a director saying do this do that go to point a go to point b so you know i imagine it's a little i, I would imagine it's more intimate and you get to know these people that you're working with as, you know, as a student and not just as someone that you're paying to do a a job. Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. Um, And you know what, my, I I would say that I haven't been on as many film sets, but definitely in the theater, it's, it's far different because you also have to remember that you have this language in your head and because you're teaching, you have to sometimes put those things into layman's terms until the students are able to grasp the entire situation. So it becomes a bit, the process has to be fleshed out a bit more, if that makes sense. Grant, I was reading your bio and it said that in May of 2021, you completed your level one of intimacy coaching training. Tell us what intimacy coaching is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I thought it was really important for me to do that as an educator and to start the process of getting my certification with that. Um, what it is, and it's something that is not only big now in theater, but it's big on film sets as well and TV sets. Um, 
And these consultants come in and they basically are there to help make the environment comfortable for any uncomfortable situations that have to be put on film or done in front of an audience. Uh, if there is a rape scene, if there is a sex scene, if there's kissing, if there's touching, anything that might make the actor feel uncomfortable in the moment or feel like boundaries have been crossed, these people are put into place to make sure those boundaries are upheld and that there's either choreography or it's worked out ahead of time for them um, so that they know what they're getting into each day or as they film. Wow, that is really... Has this always been a thing? I think this is really dope. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know what? It, it's it's still a hard pill for so, some people to swallow. Uh, you have old school uh, actors and method actors and, and people who really believe in a system of true emotion and pain. And they don't, the older generation, I should say, some of them don't get that these things are in place, right? Because they come from the 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 world in which they had to survive, advocate, and um, do these things for themselves. But there's a new a newer generation that really, really has been speaking up about these problems, these causes. Um, I'm sorry, these problems or these these moments that have been uncomfortable for them. I mean, it's something that was born out of things like the Me Too movement when people were coming out and talking about their experiences on set with directors and things like that. So it's really there to protect people. To me, it makes sense because when you're on a set, I mean, you know, like you just described, um, for example, you know, if you're filming a, a rape scene yeah, with so many people on set besides the actors, there's so many other people involved that could be triggering. You don't know yep. how that's triggering someone. Yep. And, you know, all the attention and focus is on the actors and the actors got to get it right. And we need that raw emotion. We need that, you know, we, we, we need that to get this film just right. Meanwhile, you know, we don't know what, what we're triggering, you know, in someone else. So I, I think this idea of having an intimacy coach is really, really great. And it's really cool that you have a certification for it. Just Again, a renaissance man. Just another, just another little thing, a little, a little bullet on the list. <laughs> well, I'm in process. You have to go through a few of the training, so I'm on my way there. But yeah, I think it's definitely important, especially as an educator in these times, to um, go through the certification and have that under my belt. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That you, you you're saying it's a process because it it does say level one. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. How many how many levels are there? I think there's four. I'm starting level two in a couple months. Um, so I think there's four. Well, good luck. I'm sure you'll do well. <laughs> so Grant, we're coming to the end of our interview. Tell us what's next for Grant Harvey and how can the community support you? Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I think I'm going to go back to school. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've been tossing the thought around. I really enjoy education. So I, I think that might be what's next for me, but I'll definitely be um, spreading my creative wings and starting to create my own projects and, and things of that nature. So if folks want to help out, be a part, whatever they may want to do, I will definitely continue to share those types of things on social media. So follow me, let me know, hit me up. Um, yeah, I'm always looking to collab with people, so. 
like we're doing right now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here on the Hung Up Podcast. Remind the people where they can find you on social media. Yes, thank you for having me. You can find me at Sorry I Have Rehearsal on Instagram. Well, have a good rest of. What are your plans for the rest of the day? I'm I'm about to head out to uh, a brunch. Oh, come on, brunch! Mm-hmm. I am going to. I'm moving in a couple weeks, so I need to start packing up stuff. So um, that is going to be what is happening with me today. You're in New York, right? I am. I live in Jersey, but yeah, I um, live in Jersey, work in New York, but I um, am, I'm moving within the same building, just a few floors. So, <laughs> okay, moving up. Uh, okay, well, actually, moving down. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm changing style of apartment. So, got you, got you. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be in touch. All right. Talk soon. Talk soon. Peace. Thank you, Mr. Harvey, for dialing into the Hung Up Podcast. I enjoyed that, and I hope you did too. Feel free to send your episode feedback to hunguppod at gmail.com. And if you're not already following or subscribed to the show, you can by searching at Hung Up Pod, that's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D, on your favorite podcasting and social media platform. Again, thank you so much for listening this week. I'm going to close this episode out with the Hung Up Pod song of the week I'm not okay by her I'll talk to y'all next week peace I'm not okay I'm not okay I'm not okay no I'm not okay I'm not okay no I'm not okay I'm not okay losing my faith I'm losing my faith slipping away you're slipping away It's written all over me